0: tiki hut media from tiki hut media this is soul ramblings with Jerry wicker hey there welcome into soul ramblings podcast I'm Jerry, the lay minister at Manatee Life Church in Bradenton, Florida, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith. We'll head over to the sanctuary for part three of a three-part series, the final sermon in the greater reward series. We're waiting for that greater reward, and this week, it's Don't Give Up. We extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, widowed, gay, confused, filthy rich, comfortable, or dirt poor. We welcome those who are in recovery and those who are still addicted. We welcome you if you're having problems are down in the dumps or you don't like organized religion. We offer a special welcome to those who could use a prayer right now, had religion shoved down their throats as kids, or got lost and wound up here by mistake. We welcome gamers, tourists, seekers, doubters, and you at Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith. Let's head over to the sanctuary for this week's sermon. God's word for today, our scripture lesson for the morning, comes to us from the book of Galatians chapter 6, and we start with verse 7. Hear the word of the Lord. Make no mistake, God is not mocked. A person will harvest what they plant. Those who plant only for their own benefit will harvest devastation from their selfishness. But those who plant for the benefit of the Spirit will harvest eternal life from the Spirit. Let's not get tired of doing good, because in time we'll have a harvest if we don't give up. So then, let's work for the good of all whenever we have an opportunity, and especially for those in the household of faith. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of these, our hearts, be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. As many of you know, I put it in the eLife article this week. I was on vacation from my full-time job this past week. It was a nice, a nice week. Uh, Brian kept me busy. <laughs> he kept me busy here at the church this week. But that's okay. I enjoyed it. It was nice to have that time. And one afternoon, I decided I was going to find something to watch on on television and I found on Netflix this documentary, I can't remember the name of it, but it was this documentary on vineyard growing and wine making. And as I was watching this, they, they had different vineyard owners from all over the world, different wine makers from all over the world, from here in America to Tuscany, All of these places, the coast of France, all of these gorgeous places and gorgeous vineyards. And they interviewed the original vineyard owners, or at least their children or grandchildren if they were no longer with us. And one thing was common among all of them. Vineyard growing and winemaking take a lot of patience and waiting and not giving up. For example, I learned that the process starts, someone decides they want to start a vineyard. They start out with a shoot from a vine, and they plant that shoot. The first year, it grows and grows and grows into a vine, no grapes. The vineyard owner then prunes and trims that vine back. At the end of the second year, again, the the vine grows, no grapes. The vineyard owner prunes, trims that vine back. The third year, there's grapes. But you don't pick those grapes. You leave them on, and you prune, and you trim back. At the end of the fourth year, praise God, You see, grapes that you can harvest, wonderful, four years. The vineyard owner picks those grapes, takes them, and begins the process of making wine. And the wine that they make is then stored in these large vats or barrels for seven to eight more years. You heard the phrase, aged like fine wine. I'm just like fine wine, I get better with age. The longer it stays there, the better the wine is. Seven to eight years on average. Those vineyard owners said that on average, somewhere between year 15 and 18 is when they reached a break-even point or even began to see a little bit of a profit. 15 to 18 years from the time of planning that original shoot to the time they saw a prophet. And I thought about that as I was watching that this week and thought, how true is that of the church? We look around. We see efforts that don't produce immediate results. I mean, I keep inviting people to come to Christ, come to Manatee Life Church at 10.30 on Sunday morning. We're just up the street. And they don't. I continue to pray for those who don't know the Lord. I pray they'll give their lives to Christ. And they don't. One of Beth's extended family, She's, a, I believe, a cousin of hers, has been praying for years and years and years for her husband. No result, but she continues to pray and pray and pray. I, ser- I serve others in the name of and for the glory of God, but folks don't come, they don't seem to care just seems like all of this is for nothing. I continue to walk the streets around this neighborhood, around my neighborhood where I live. I knock on doors. I participate. I still see little or no growth in the church. I know there's a great harvest out there. People do need the Lord. Folks are lonely, depressed, filled with anguish and despair. I keep inviting them to be a part of God's church. And if they don't come here, go somewhere. Many agree to me that they should, they will but they rarely do I mean getting tired is all of this just really a big waste of time well for those who have had those thoughts and for those who maybe have those thoughts right now Paul encourages us with Galatians 6 verse 9 where he says, let's not get tired of doing good because in time, because in time, we'll have a harvest if we don't give up. Like a good vineyard owner in that documentary I watched, God knows how to bring about fruitfulness better than we do. God is patient with us, and as we fulfill our calling to serve God and serve others, we must recognize that like a vineyard, our fruitfulness will not necessarily come overnight. The harvest of our labors may not come for a number of years. But if we keep on keeping on, the harvest will come, Paul says. Don't give up. And that's why the title of today's message, the third and final one in our greater reward series, is called Don't Give Up. Galatians six, seven, eight, and nine. I want to spend a large majority of our time there today. Paul starts out by saying, Make no mistake. Another translation says, Don't be deceived, don't be tricked, don't be fooled, don't be led astray. Make no mistake. And then he says, God cannot be mocked. God is not mocked. Cannot be mocked. Mocked, the the Greek word for mocked means to thumb our nose at or or snub. No, we're not going to do that to God. Make no mistake. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. We're not going to mock God. God is not to be mocked. And then... Paul gives us a law saying that we harvest what we plant. Other translations say you reap what you sow. You harvest what you plant. You sow bad things, you get bad things. You get a bad result. But he also says, whoever sows to please the Spirit, those who plant for the benefit of the Spirit will harvest eternal life from the Spirit. So, you sow good things. You do God-honoring things. Eternal life from the Spirit is the result. What I want to do for just a minute is talk about three principles, three laws of sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. The first one is this. I think it makes sense. What you plant is what you sow. You sow or what you plant is what you reap. You reap what you sow. Number two is you reap more than you sow. Just like that vineyard owner that plants that shoot, it's just a little shoot, but they reap way more than that. It works that way in all of agriculture. Any seed that's planted, that seed reaps way more than just that little seed. And the third is this. You always reap after you sow. You don't plant a seed and go out and look at it 10-15 minutes later and expect there to be growth there. It happens over time. You reap after you sow. So we look at all of this. We look around and oh well You know, Pastor Jim or Jerry, you know, that's a great idea, but we've tried that before. We tried and we failed. We've done this. We tried and we failed. Oh, that'll never work. That'll never work. We've tried and failed. I looked this up. Did you know that Thomas Edison had 1,093 patents in the U.S. Patent Office before he died. 1,093 successful inventions. Behind each one of those 1,093 successes were hundreds if not thousands of failures. Thomas Edison was a master of not letting failure deter him. As a matter of fact, one of his former employees, when Thomas Edison was close to the end of his life, had written him a letter and said, above all, you taught me not to be afraid of failure. Do not be afraid of failure. It is through our failures that God shapes us into the person we were created to be. In the words of Winston Churchill, he said, success is not final failure is not fatal it is the courage to continue that counts don't give up after all we invite people we pray for people we have events we have things going on here at the church and people are not coming but this may come as a shock But it is not us, it is not you and I who convict a person's soul. It is not us, it is not you nor I who saves a person's soul. Jesus does that. We are called to sow seed. Plant and water, Paul said. Plant and water, sow seed. We are called to work in the harvest field. It is between God and and the person that God has laid on your heart to serve and to love unconditionally as He loved, it is between God and that person whether or not that person accepts Christ's free offer. Christ's absolutely free offer to transform their lives into something new and vibrant and alive. Our job is to never get tired in doing good. Never get tired of sharing the message through both word and deed. We are called to press on. We are called to be the hands and feet of Christ. And hey, who knows? Maybe the next thing we do will be something that God has laid on your heart. That's exciting. That's exciting. We didn't read this verse, but we will now. Back up in verse 2 of Galatians 6, Paul says this. Carry each other's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Then in verse 10, he said, let's work for the good of all whenever we have the opportunity. Carry each other's burdens, work for the good of all. Carry each other's burdens. Work for the good of all. The only way we can do that is in community and fellowship and relationship. None of us can live as if we are alone on some island and live the Christian life. Faith is communal. We need one another. There is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian Although, although, if there were, remember, the Lone Ranger had Tonto. So he was not alone, was he? John Wesley was quoted as saying, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but he said the term solitary Christian is an oxymoron because it doesn't exist. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian we need one another in his book the social animal author david brooks said this he was talking about how we humans are designed for community and for relationship he said that we are hardwired by god to love and enjoy relationships we are hardwired by god it's in our dna to love and enjoy relationships And yet there was this study by the University of Chicago that said that there are people that seem to be going against that hard wiring. In nineteen eighty-five, they discovered of the number of people they surveyed, they asked a couple of questions. One was How many people, what is the percentage of people in your circle that you can share intimate things or or confide in? Intimate spiritual things is what I'm talking about. And you can confide in. In 1985, that number was three. The average person had three people in their circle that they felt they could confide in, that they had a close enough relationship they could confide in. That friend that, that uh, what I like to call that 3 a.m. friend, you can call them at 3 a.m. with whatever's on your heart and there's no judgment. You don't feel like you're disturbing them because you're not, because you're that close. That type friend. 1985, the average person said they had three. In 2004, that number had dropped to two. I wonder what the statistic is for 2022. How many people do we have in our circle of friends that are close, that we can confide in? The same survey talked about, or asked the average person How many of you have no close friends? None. In 1985, 10% said they had no close friends. One in 10 said they had no close friends. In 2004, that number had more than doubled to almost 25%. 24.6% said, I have no close friends it went from 1 in 10 to 1 in 4 say they have no close friends i wonder how many folks living today in 2022 have no close friends it's scary and yet church the answer is right under our nose the answer the answer for this loneliness is Christian community, the common thread, Jesus Christ. Christian community, relationships, fellowship. It's interesting that in the first two centuries of the church, of the Christian church, buildings were practically non-existent. They didn't have church buildings back then. They met in each other's houses. They would gather, meet, they would worship, study, share life together, carry each other's burdens, oftentimes over a meal. It has often been said that the secret to the Methodist movement, which sparked a great awakening of Christianity across Europe and America, something parenthetically, and by the way, I believe we desperately need right now, but the secret of the Methodist movement was its small groups. They were referred to as classes or bands, but small groups, small groups, four to six people meeting together weekly, praying, singing, worshiping, sharing burdens, spiritual accountability, sharing a meal. And they grew close to one another, close to the Lord and strong in their love for others. Through these small groups, they were able to experience a whole new level of peace and joy in life. The depths of our relationships and our commitment to one another are so important to God that I believe Paul is telling us, I believe God is telling us that small groups are vital to Christian community. Could this be what Jesus had in mind when he said, where two or three of you come together in my name, I am there with you. What better place to do that than in small groups? There's also something significant about gathering around the table in a small accountability group a small group gathering around a meal. Notice how many times, if you read through the Gospels, how many times Jesus taught or gave a life lesson and there was food involved, there was a meal involved. I think we've gotten away from, not only in the church community, but also in our households around gathering at the table. There's something intimate about that. There's something intimate about sharing a meal with someone. We are called to care and share with each other and care and share with the world. Watch out for each other so we won't be tempted. Imagine how spiritually alive this church would be if we were all involved in small groups. Imagine the impact this would make on our desire and our ability to reach out to this community for Jesus Christ. People in our neighborhoods, people in this world, they're starving for community, for relationship, for fellowship, genuine relationship, someone they can confide in, someone they can refer to as a close friend, that 3 a.m. friend, But many folks are lost in despair. They're lonely. They don't know where to turn to or what to do. Look, folks, you can look at all the statistics you want. It's not hard to find. Go to Google this afternoon and you can find it. Church attendance is dropping in every denomination. Every denomination. Everywhere in this country. People need relationship. People need fellowship, community. People need the Lord. People need the church. We are the church. The church is not this building, I was reminded this week. The church is not this building. This building is merely where the church meets. The church, look at your neighbor, that's the church. We are the church. We know the Lord. The folks living around us are God's harvest field. The folks in our neighborhood. The folks in our workplace. And for the young folks where they go to school, that's God's harvest field. We are not to get tired of doing good because in time we'll have a harvest if we don't give up. It's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. Look, we're doing, we have, if you look on your handout that you got, November 5th, we've got an event coming up, a fiesta. We've got church services streaming online on our website. We've just recently, within the past month, started back up a presence on social media. We're on YouTube. We have all these things going on. We have a men's group and a women's group that has just recently started up that meet one Saturday a month. And I told Brian I was going to use him in my sermon this week and I wanted to get his permission to do so and I promised I would not embarrass him and so I do not say this to embarrass you, Brian. But Brian is a good example of what I'm talking about. Brian felt convicted and felt led by God to start a men's group here at Manatee Life. The last Saturday that they met, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe six guys were there. Six, right? Yeah. Yeah, six. There weren't 50 or 100 guys there, but Brian said something to me after that that really stuck with me. He said, we're starting small. We're taking baby steps. We're planting seed. And it takes time to grow. And I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. There are things going on. You look at our attendance numbers. You look at the numbers of people that are watching us online. You look at the number of interactions we have on social media. Not much at this time. But like that vineyard owner. Grow, prune, and trim back. Grow, prune, and trim back. Finally get the grapes. Oh, we got the grapes. Well, there's discipleship that needs to happen. There's relationship building that needs to happen. It takes time. It takes time. It's not the things that we do occasionally that make a difference. It's the things we do consistently that make a difference. So what is it? One area not only of church life, but of your life, where you're going to be more consistent. And it's never going to be easy. It's not going to happen overnight. But you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Manatee Life Church, our greater reward, our best days are in front of us. Our best days are in front of us. Our greater reward will come We'll have a harvest in time if we do not give up. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, today we ask by the power of your Spirit, you would speak to all of us about one area, just one, and help us plant those seeds of righteousness consistently and trust that you'll bring a harvest. And God, today, I pray that by the power of Your Spirit, You'd help us make just one small change that may not seem like anything big in the moment or in the weeks to come or even in the months to come. But God, that You... You... would bring the increase. We thank You that in the years to come, we will reap what we sow. We'll reap more than we sow. And God, we know that it may be in a different season than we sow. But God, we want to honor You by what we sow. God, by the power of Your Spirit because we don't have the ability in our own power. We're not trying. We're in training to do what You've called us to do. Help us to honor You and trust You, O God, for the greater reward because tis so sweet to trust in jesus amen and remember this as we leave today let's not get tired of doing good because in time we'll have a harvest if we don't give up amen go in peace that wraps up this series, this three-week series of Greater Reward with Don't Give Up. Find out more about us over at Manatee Life Church by going to our website or connect with us on Facebook and get social with us over there on the church's Facebook page. Got links in the show notes of this episode. You can contact us here at Soul Ramblings Podcast, a ministry of Manatee Life Church, All you have to do is get social with us on our Facebook or Instagram page. It's got links to those in the show notes. We would love to hear from you. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. I know your time is quite valuable, and I appreciate you spending your time with us. Next week, we won't have a sermon. I'll just have some various random ramblings for Soul Ramblings podcast. Be sure to join us next week for next week's episode. And wherever you're listening today, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you're listening, click subscribe right now and you'll never miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. Here's a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. I'm Jerry Wicker. Until next week on Soul Ramblings Podcast, keep the conversation going, grace, and peace. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.